0: Well, it's a pleasure to welcome Annalie Giles, uh, from the tax department, E&S Africa, to the show today, business law focus. And of course, we are in tax filing season, um, and an indaba is coming up on the, from the 20th of September. Annalie is speaking on the 22nd, which is the annual tax indaba. And her topic is on VAT. And it's a big theme. It's an important theme. Uh, SARS is closing the net significantly when it comes to, um, you know, reining in um, amounts of tax and especially people that are not paying tax. But the problem is that they're actually getting quite aggressive when it comes to, to VAT. And a big challenge that Annalie is, is, is spotting at the moment in practice is when it comes to VAT refunds. This has a big impact on businesses, of course, especially small businesses who really rely on getting that VAT refund back, you know, because it relates to their purchases. So, Anneli, thanks um, for joining us on the show. Great having you. And and let's just start with how big is this headache? It, it seems to me when, when I hear you speak, um, it's it's a headache for both taxpayers and SARs at the moment. Yes. Hi. Thanks, even.
1: So, in essence, all of this boils down to a particular provision in the Tax Administration Act, and, and one side, SARS has the right to audit, uh, that refund before they have to pay it out. But the other side, a vendor, also a taxpayer, has the right to claim input tax on the expenses. So the particular provision is section 190 sub 2 of the, the Tax Admin Act, which provides that tax need not authorize a refund until such time that the verification, inspection, audit, or criminal investigation of the refund must be finalized or has been finalized. And the issue is it seems that in practice, um, SARS is interpreting this provision that it does not have to pay out a refund if any aspect of uh, uh, the tax, pay- tax affairs are being audited. So they will initiate an audit and then at that stage, it seems that any future refunds or repayments are then automatically blocked and it's kept Um, back in the system until SARS has finalised the the verification. But the wording of the legislation is such that the audit activity must be of that particular refund before SARS has a right to withhold it. And they can't withhold any refunds that are not subject or does not fall within the scope of that particular audit. And this um, is definitely becoming a a big headache um, because taxpayers do need the... um, the, the cash flow in order to, to mm. keep the businesses flowing, and when that refunds are locked up um, in audit activity, then it becomes very busy, uh, difficult for businesses then to find alternative uh, cash flow means, and that's definitely a big issue.
0: Of course, the Tax Administration Act gives SARS quite broad enforcement tools. I mean, these range from verification to audit to full criminal investigations. But it sounds like what you're saying is that um, there seems to be a bit of difficulty out there in distinguishing, distinguishing between that taxpayer that is errant and compliant and errant but criminal. Yes, absolutely. Is that
1: there's this broad brush approach to enforcement that seems to be emerging where A taxpayer is not able to build up a compliance history with SARS in the sense that if SARS has verified one or two of your back returns, they should start to get some kind of idea of how your business operates or have some kind of institutional knowledge around that particular risk profile of that taxpayer. And then based on that, they should be able to almost mark that taxpayer at lower risk in Mm. the sense that future... Or activity or verifications can be lessened, but it seems that all the vendors are almost risk profile at the extreme. And in a, in a, we do see it in different kind of categories in a, in a way vendors that are, that are, that don't have high value back refunds, they might get their back refunds quite quickly. So the, the peer quantum of the refunds might be a lot in that the smaller vendors buy, might be more in number, but the bigger refunds are there's not as like many of those refunds, but those are the guys that are increasingly experiencing more frustration because of their refunds, the high value refunds that are being kept back. And what we've seen is the SARS has a service charter. It's a statement of intent that was issued and published by SARS in um, I think it's in twenty eighteen. July twenty eighteen was last updated. And it takes out all the um, the service levels and with a SARS endeavours. To achieve. So, for example, when it comes to inspection, audit, and verification, they will endeavor to conclude a verification within 21 business days from the date that all the required documents are received. And then they they have these progress indicators, and the, the indicators are actually smiley faces or sad faces. Ugh. And when we see that return verification, source has given themselves a happy face. And then when you also look at the refund to say that if a current year's refund or a current period or so tax period's refund is due to you, and then there's a number of things that conditions, for example, if there's no inspection, verification or audit is required or has been initiated, then we will endeavor to pay that back return or that back refund within seven business days from finalizing that, that assessment. And for that, Again, they've given themselves a smiley face. Oh. And when you are looking at taxpayers, we are definitely not seeing smiley faces. Yes. So yes. it's becoming quite difficult to deal with taxpayers to explain where their refunds are and why it's held up by the system.
0: And, of course, SARS is meant to pay interest on outstanding refunds, right? I mean, my understanding was that was 21 days. But it looks like all these extensions um, doesn't, you know, you never see that money uh, for for some time, right? Yes, absolutely.
1: And the the whole issue boils down to the fact that there's no prescribed time period within Hmm. which SARS is required to finalize a verification or an order. So they can audit you for months or for even years, hmm. and they seem to have the well, they follow the interpretation that they are allowed to keep your refunds while they are doing so. So in the recent case of Rapid Resources, the court held that the audit process, including the withholding of refunds, should not take, cannot be taking place in a manner and at a pace that is entirely at size of discretion, oh. with no consideration for fairness. So. Taxpayers in general don't have an issue with the fact that SARS is auditing them. SARS is, by all means, they can come and have a look. There's no no um, objection to that principle. The objection is about the fact that SARS cannot withhold refunds indefinitely while doing so, particularly when the refunds that they are withholding are not the refunds that form part of the scope of the audit. Yeah. Because that's where you then, one, it's unfair because SARS is not auditing the refund, and then the other side also, it's unfair because of the unreasonable period of time some of these audits can take, um, and not all taxpayers have that amount of cash flow available in order then to fund the VAT that they incur on their purchases until they get the back refund from SARS.
0: And, and also you have these special stoppers on, on that SARS system, which is is, in a way, you know, causing a serious bottleneck out there.
1: Yes, absolutely. And the the fact that a taxpayer might realise one or two of their refunds are now taking quite slow, they call the SARS call centre and then they are um, advised to say, well, one, your refund is still on audit, but also there's this special stopper that's been placed on the system kinds of stoppers available, there's not necessarily communication around all of them, um, but there there seems to be a different kind of stopper depending on what kind of audit they are conducting. But the effect of those stoppers are are the same in the sense that any refund claim that is submitted after the date on which an audit has been initiated um, and therefore a stopper has been activated on the system are automatically withheld by the system and will not progress to being approved for payout. Now, I, I need to caveat that statement because, yes, it is reminiscent of what we've seen in the previous, um, in the Nugent Commission report that uh, took place in, in 2018 when they issued the final report, but it seems apparently, it's not that clear how widespread this Stopper issue is at the moment. That was one of the key things that was identified at that stage, is that SARS was holding, uh, using stoppers, um to, to increase their revenue numbers near year-end. We haven't, uh, seen anything, or there's no reason yet to believe that that has, is, is recurring, but there's definitely the same kind of trends that's starting to, to happen more and more. Then the only thing is that there are various surveys and things that's being conducted, but they seem to be inconclusive or indicative only, and mostly because the the responses are not um, that good to all of these surveys and and, ones. and the other side is that the reasons for a refund being withheld, uh, th- those reasons vary quite widely, so it's very difficult to pin it down to one particular issue. That is causing this bottleneck, but the stoppers on the system is one of the things that we're picking up. That that is, is definitely coming up more and more.
0: And of course, it seems like there's a bit of an administrative nightmare as well. When you know, even even VAT or, or vendors uh, who are frequently in a net VAT refund position uh, keep getting these requests for a uh, very verification, um, you yeah. know, and that holds things back for them as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Is that? Um, either the risk indicator or risk engines that SARS are extremely sensitive, Um, and again, this goes back to the the issue that unless a vendor is able to build up some kind of compliance history with SARS, to Mm. to put it in a lower risk category, so that it's Mm. not that frequently flagged for audit, uh, taxpayers taxpayers have actually now started building this into the um, monthly back return preparation cycle. And you know, it was a few years ago when I attended an event um, uh, where they said that the record time of when the received a verification response was within two minutes after the verification letter was issued to the taxpayer, sure. which means that that taxpayer knew that they were going to get a verification request because they've been getting one every single month for the past few years. Um, so it, it definitely becomes more costly to administer the, your, your back uh, profile, and also... You know the it's um not very encouraging is that it doesn't matter how often you get verified or how well you respond to those verifications when each and every single one of your refunds are going to be met with suspicion and going to be scrutinized at length every single time um it it really becomes quite tiring, and I think that also erodes taxpayers' confidence yeah. and and also the issue that SARS is not compelled to finish a uh, auditory verification in a particular period. Yes, they do set uh, their, their own goals, for example, the 21 business day turnaround time, but those, those are fairly uh, general, you know, in the sense that it's only from when they receive all the information and that that's their own policy. That's not tax legislation. So there are mechanisms that they can then just keep asking for more information to keep the can down the road. But there also is that even though you you might be going through this verification process every single month if you're a monthly filer, for example, it doesn't mean that after three years, SARS will not issue a formal audit notification letter with auditing that three-year period again under, it, for example, a field audit, which is much more in mm. depth and, and lengthy, and so it really becomes quite a a, a big issue for for taxpayers where you're constantly being audited, and especially if you feel it in your
0: pocket. And of course, VAT is not intended to be a cost to business. So something seems to be, you know, out of kilter when it comes to this. Um, and of course, we have had genuine, you know, many cases of VAT fraud, and that's heightened the sensitivity from the SARS side. But it looks like there's. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly a, a serious problem out there for a lot of businesses that are, um, you know, fairly honest. Um, and even those that may be making a slight administrative or, or error at times. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that they have to be lumped together as, you know, these big kind of criminal syndicates that have been operating in the past when it comes to VAT and, you know, created, I think, this, this situation that we have. But just listening to you speak that there seems to be this lacuna when it comes to the, the act, uh, you know, Administration Act and the VAT Act as well, there doesn't seem to be clear timeframes to conclude. this. So there seems to be a huge gap, isn't
1: it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So it creates this imbalance in power. We mm. South clearly already has quite a lot of power under the Tax Administration Act to administer tax laws and enforce compliance. But when that is also allowed to be done in an indefinite period of time or under a Perhaps a misguided interpretation that they are allowed to keep that refund back while they are doing so. Then, you know, it really puts the the taxpayer on the back foot, and especially also bearing in mind that a taxpayer has the burden of proof to show that an amount is deductible. So in this case, that you are allowed to claim an input tax deduction, and then if your input tax deductions exceed your output tax, you would be in a refund position, and money would be owing to you. So it, it becomes quite problematic, um, we, the taxpayers are constantly at a disadvantage, where SARS seemingly has excessive powers in order to conduct audits and seemingly to withhold refunds while doing so.
0: And of course you are engaging, yourself and other stakeholders are currently engaging. I mean, it's not like, um, as professionals, you, you, on behalf of clients, you're leaving it at this. Uh, is that quite, uh, is, is that progressing quite well, the engagement?
1: In, in those discussions, so I am keeping a, a good eye on them uh, from an the interest taken in, in the you know development, and it seems that. You know, it's not going to be a discussion that's going to be concluded very soon. Um, What is important is that there is progressive um, progress being made and that the issue stays on the table as such. Because obviously, you know, we need to balance the fact that we do come out of a a very contentious era as such and that SARS, the SARS you see today is is not the SARS of, uh, you know, a a few years ago. SARS is definitely... um, set up their game as such, and they are a force to be reckoned with. But with that, it, be, it seems that it becomes quite a lot more challenging for the industry to discharge the, the owners of proof, and the, the fact that SARS seems to ask for information that's not necessarily um, required under the legislation, and that's you know where the, the difficulties lie, is in the sense that... Are there also then other gaps in the legislation Mm. in terms of what does SARS need in order to satisfy itself quickly that a refund is in fact due and payable, and then also to ensure that there are prescribed time periods within which a verification, for example, can be done, because it's much smaller in scope, and it is typically performed only on one single back return at a time, and it should be able to be completed fairly quickly. Then where there are real issues, those should be then reserved for potentially certain industries where there are known issues or mm. where, you know, a, a taxpayer's compliance history has shown that it does require more scrutiny and in those instances where you could potentially then allow for some kind of extension, but that should be the exception of the norm. Yes. Uh, a standard verification or a very simplistic audit should be able to be concluded within a particular period. and. I do acknowledge that you know there are certain challenges because some industries are more complex than others. But what we really need from a or what we would expect is a tailored audit or verification approach and not this broad brush approach that we're currently experiencing because it really is to the disadvantage to of you know to ask the honest guy and bearing in mind that none of us would be able to outright say who that is. But over a period of time, you should be able to risk profile a taxpayer in order to really accurately put them in a particular box. And that should then inform your enforcing processes.
0: Yeah, and the pressure on those small businesses is significant. I know someone who've, who really, you know, nearly went under as a result of you know a, a, a VAT audit that was not justified. In fact, it was uh, it, it really wasn't. And um, it, it's extremely tough when you speak to these small business guys. Terribly tough. Um, they don't even have the resources necessary to go and fight it legally, as you know, li- like the case that you mentioned earlier. Um, you know, they don't have those big resources, and they literally just hit um, a ro- you know a roadblock every time. That try to engage and it becomes very very difficult but only it's been great chatting to you I think you really highlight the key points there I think everyone obviously wants uh, to support SARS in catching the genuine VAT fraudsters out there but that doesn't mean that we need to you know slow down the progress of business and small business and create this huge mountain of uh, red tape etc and and roadblocks in the way so I think we need to this discussion that you that we mentioned is is going to be critical going forward um, so only good luck at the end, I know you're speaking fairly soon. A really interesting topic, and it was great chatting to you. Thanks very much.
1: Excellent, great, thank you, and thanks for having me.